Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at Celebration EDM. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. When the word surrender comes to mind, what do you think of? I think when we hear the word surrender, we almost feel like it's this like beautiful moment, just like we sang in that song, I surrender. Like it's like this nice, cute thing where we're like, oh yes, I surrender. Let go and let God, you know? <laughs> like like that, that's what it says on the little sign that I bought at the farmer's market. Let go and let God. What a beautiful thing it is to do uh, in your life. But do you know how hard surrender actually is? Yeah. It's a lot harder than just singing that song that we just sung. Surrender often comes at the end of a battle. Surrender comes at a moment where we say, okay, I've had enough, I surrender. And following Jesus is all about a moment of surrender. How many people know what I'm talking about? A moment where you say, okay, Jesus, I've had enough of doing this thing on my own. I believe in you. Now I'm turning my heart over to you, my life over to you. I'm asking you to come and be Lord of my life. So there's a moment of surrender, and we have one of those every single week when we pray at, every, at the end of every message. Maybe you had one like that in the church service. Maybe you had it with you know, somebody who shared their faith with you, a parent or an aunt or whatever that helped you get to that moment of surrender. But then, after the moment of surrender, there's a process of surrender. That process is for the rest of our lives. And what I've noticed is I often loved the, the, I often loved the concept and the idea of Christianity, but I struggle to actually surrender myself to Jesus. I'll give you this example. Let's say one day I decide I wanna become a vegan. Just uh, just so you know, I'm never gonna decide that. Um, (laughs) But if you are a vegan, I'm not judging you, good for you, you have more willpower than I do. So let's say one day I'm like, I'm going to become a vegan. And so I start going to vegan restaurants, I start, uh, you know, just loving the, the vibe and the service at these restaurants. I don't know what they do. They, maybe they have some plants or, I don't know what a vegan restaurant looks like, but, um, you know, they, I just like those vegan restaurants. And then I joined maybe a, a vegan Facebook group. And we, I don't know, we just trade recipes or whatever. We have this vegan Facebook group. We hang out together. And uh, then I, this, this Facebook group's so great. I love it. I'm getting encouraged by it. It's awesome. So then I start going to like some vegan Community meetups, I don't know. We play Frisbee in the park together. We're vegans and we hang out and, and we're, we, just, we just love the earth and, and whatever. I, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm not trying to uh, stereotype vegans this morning, but I'm, I'm just messing. Okay, so we're all hanging out, we're vegans and I'm loving this thing. I'm loving the, the restaurants, I'm loving the community, but I don't actually love the food of being a vegan. Right, right. I know it's good for me, I know I'll keep trying, Keep trying to overcome it because I just love being around these vegan folks and these vegan restaurants. But deep down inside, I don't want to fully become a vegan. I love the lifestyle. I love the community. I love the support. But I have no interest in surrendering to the vegan diet. I think sometimes we do this with God. We love the idea of Christianity. Oh, we loved church service. You know, we get to listen to music together. It's great. We love the community. We love the friends at our, our groups and stuff. But deep down inside, we're like, yeah, but I don't think I could fully go into what they're talking about. We don't want to give up control. You know, as, as good as it maybe could be, we just, we're afraid of giving up that control. 
We love being a Christian, but we don't always love God. How many people know you can love being a Christian without loving God? What do I mean by that? We can love the community and the friends and the way the message makes us feel, but when it comes down to it, we truly do not want to surrender to God's will. All right. Now that we're all heavy and everything's a little bit intense, let's read Mark chapter 14. Okay, if you, if you have your Bible this morning, you read Mark, Mark chapter 14, 32 to 42. I'm gonna read it from the uh, never incorrect version. And uh, you can read it from your phone uh, or, your, or your Bible, whatever. Um, and uh, I'll give you a second to go there. I, I, the reason I'm asking you to do that is I find that I get more of the word in my heart when I don't just hear a guy reading about it, but I, I actually read it as, along as well. So like an audio book. I like to read audio books when I listen to them. It seems redundant, but okay. Mark 14, 32 to 42. Fun fact, Mark... Uh, the, the book of Mark is actually Peter's gospel. You're like, what is this heresy? It was written by uh, a guy named John Mark and Peter explained to him everything he saw and did and then John Mark wrote it and recorded it. So we're actually reading from Peter's point of view when we read the book of Mark. Okay, just fun fact, whatever. All right, grab your Bible, 14, 32 to 42. They went to a place called Gethsemane and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John. See, Mark wasn't there. So this is, we're hearing from Peter's point of view. He took Peter, James, and John along with them. But you know what? Luke actually writes about it, so it killed my point. Okay, whatever. Okay, keep going, keep going. Uh, and he began uh, to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and he prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Then he says, Abba, Father. So Abba would be like a, a more intimate word, not just like dad, but like, I don't know, daddy, <laughs> which is kind of weird. But, uh, but anyways, a more intimate term. I'm sorry, that's, we don't speak Greek, so I'm trying to help you figure it out. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so you won't fall into temptation. Your, the spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. And once more again, so once more he went away and prayed the same thing. And when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. And returning to uh, returning the third time, he said, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is to be delivered into the hands of Peter. Oh, sorry, into the hands of sinners. Um, rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. And the betrayer he's talking about is Judas. So Judas is on his way with some soldiers. Jesus knows it. And he's like, okay, the time has come. Now Luke records that when Jesus was in the garden, when he's praying, Abba, Father, take this cup from me, please. I don't want to do this. Luke, because he's a physician, uh, he always gives us a little bit more detail. And Luke records that uh, he was, it says that in Luke chapter two, he was in anguish, anguish and he prayed more earnestly and his sweat, was like drops of blood that fell to the ground. And uh, you think about this and you think, is there actually, can you actually sweat blood? It's uh, something called hematidrosis. Uh, good thing I can read. And uh, it's, 
It's, it's actually something that can still happen. It's capillary blood vessels that feed the sweat glands. You're under so much stress that they rupture and they leak and they put blood into your sweat and it occurs under serious emotional and physical stress. Jesus was under some serious pressure here. And when he's under this intense pressure, he goes directly to prayer. He says, guys, sit here. I'm under pressure. I need to pray. See, prayer must be our first reaction to pressure. Almost like a doctor hitting our knee with the hammer thing, right? It's a reaction. We, it should be something right away that when we're under pressure, we go to prayer. And don't you hate it when you're explaining a stressful situation to someone or something intense that's happening in your life, you're explaining it to them, you don't even really want their help, you just need somebody to vent to, and they say to you, well, have you prayed about it? Isn't that so annoying? Like, we know we're supposed to pray. And you're like, have you prayed about it? Ugh. Like, shut up. You think you're better than me? I think often that we feel like if, uh, if we pray, we're not gonna get things the way we want them. Like, if we pray, God's gonna tell us to do the opposite of what we actually wanna do. We pray because prayer changes something. That's why we pray. Prayer changes us and it actually leads us to action often. Often when I pray, it's that I, I sort of, it's like a roadmap that I end up, that I actually don't know where I'm going, but it leads me to something and, and it's, it, it leads us to action. Prayer is an expression of sincere desire. And did you know that surrendering to God's will does not mean you're gonna have a horrible life? Like God is try, not trying to make you into Ned Flanders. Okay, like I think sometimes we're worried that, oh, if I actually go God's way, I'm gonna have to wear a green sweater all the time and grow a mustache, and I'm a woman, and that would be awkward. Okay, <laughs> but God doesn't wanna take away everything you've ever loved. Everybody thinks they're gonna be the next Job, okay? It feels like that when, when we pray, we think, oh, I'm gonna end up being the next Job, and I'm gonna lose everything. God wants you to be in a place where you're willing to give up everything you love. Doesn't mean you have to. What we're doing is when we're praying, we're inviting him in. We're saying, okay, I'm not gonna do this on my own. I'm inviting God into what I'm going through right now. That's what a surrendered life is all about. It's an invitation to God that I'm not gonna do this on my own. Have you ever made a, a pretty big mistake and you realize I didn't even pray about making that decision at all? Anybody? Is anybody dumb like me? Or at least dumb enough to, okay, good. All right, I'm preaching to the right people this morning. Prayer is an invitation that God is allowed into that decision. Last year, I almost made a massive, really stupid mistake. Like, really dumb. And it was with somebody else that we were trying to decide, okay, are we gonna do this thing together? Kind of kept it on the DL. And I didn't pray about this massive decision at all. But luckily, the other person did. <laughs> And thank God that they felt in their spirit, hey, after praying about it, I just don't think this is the right fit for me. Oh, thank God somebody was praying. My spirit wanted to get the thing right. I didn't just wanna do what the, the, the decision was. My spirit genuinely wanted to get things right, but my flesh was weak. And in the moment, I was just like, oh, I just wanna do this, please. Luckily, somebody else was praying. We gotta be careful how much we're listening to our bodies and ignoring our spirit. Prayer helps us to connect with our spirit and connect our spirit to the spirit of God. Like, okay, God, what do you want us to do? Matthew 11, I'm sure you've heard this verse before. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. 
you'll find rest for your souls. God wants to give us rest, but we also have to surrender and not just keep things to ourselves. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. A yoke was intended to ease the discomfort of carrying a heavy load. To ease the discomfort. Notice that he's, he, Jesus isn't saying, I'm gonna make your life super easy. I'm gonna take away all the weight of the world. I'm gonna take away all the big things and the intense things that happen in life. He's like, no, you'll still have a hairy, uh, hairy load. <laughs> Lord, give me some water. Okay. You might still have this heavy load, but Jesus will be yoked to it with you and he'll help it make, make it easier. Yoke symbolized obedience and the acceptance of responsibility. And prayer is a way we can yoke ourselves to Jesus and surrender to God's will. We need moments like Jesus's time in the garden where we just say, okay, I'm gonna sit here, I'm gonna stop, and I'm going to react in prayer. So what does a surrendered prayer life look like? Jesus modeled it. Yet, not what I will, but what you will. That we genuinely want what God wants for the situations and the struggles and the different things we go through in life. I'm, I wonder how much purpose we've walked away from simply because we didn't want the pressure of surrender. I wonder how many big things, how much purpose even that we walked away from because we're like, ah, that sounds pretty hard. I don't want to be a part of that. Prayer is a way we can yoke, our, yoke ourselves to God and say, I'm willing to take the pressure. See, the fear that we have is God's plans aren't as good as our, our plans. We honestly think we know more than God. Like, God, you haven't been down here in a while. You haven't seen what I've been seeing on social media and stuff. I'll tell you, this church was planted. You're sitting here today because two people said, we're gonna take the pressure and we're gonna surrender, and we're gonna move to Edmonton, Alberta, and follow the will of God for our lives. And what I've learned is that being in the will of God is so much better than being in the will of Joel. My name's Joel, by the way. That's what I'm talking about. Last year, I uh, was just golfing like I normally do, and uh, I, I have this person in my life that I just feel like, God told me a long time ago, you're in that person's life for a reason. Stick with them. Even if, even if they're cold to you, even if they don't invite you to stuff, you stick with them no matter what. You stay with that person. You stay faithful to that person. So I felt like God put that on my heart for this person. And uh, when, when I started golfing, um, started you know, spending more time with them, and I felt like I was supposed to share my faith. Kind of just talk about what God's done in my life and kind of why I believe what I believe. And, and uh, I didn't really want to do this. I, I was like, oh, God, can't they just figure it out through osmosis? Like, <laughs> we'll just stand beside each other and I, mean, I don't know. Um, but I just really felt like this one, this one game we went to play, God was like, today's the day. And uh, I, the, the other person we were with tried to get in the cart with him and I was like, nope, get out of that cart. I'm, I'm driving with him today. And it was like this awkward moment, but we... we uh, we're driving, as we go through the round, I'm just like, oh, when, when is the time? No, this is a par three, it's too short. Let's wait till a par five. Like, you know, like, let's, let's take our time. And, and finally, uh, finally the door opened. And finally, I just was like, I just really felt like the Holy Spirit was like, now. 
now's the time. And, and so I just, I just started by, honestly, by saying, hey, you know what I like about you? And just started encouraging them, talking to them and building them up. And then kind of that ended up segueing into me sharing a little bit of my story with him. And, you know, we talked for a while. I don't know how long it was. It was a few holes where we were just talking about faith and what we believe and that sort of thing. And at the end of the round, I wish I had this beautiful story of how we got in the parking lot. You know, we got down on our knees and he gave his life to Jesus. No. At, at the end of the round, you know what I felt? I was like, what the heck was that? Like, that was brutal. <laughs> like, that was kind of choppy. I didn't say everything I wanted to say. And, and I, I feel like they just walked away and it was just nothing. And I built it all up and nothing happened. But then, months down the road, he opens up the discussion again. And it was, it was, it would have been so much easier in that moment, so much less stressful for me to just keep my mouth shut and play golf. But our easy way of life is often an unfulfilled life. And so when we walk away from God's plan and purpose and from hard things and are not willing to surrender, at the end of the day, I, I, I don't know about you, but I have a harder time sleeping at night. Jesus, he, he was deeply distressed and troubled. He said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. There is pressure in surrender. And the will of God means taking steps of faith. Knowing, see, because God knows how important it is that we grow our faith muscle. Dear Lord, I took a long time on this first point. Okay, well, I, I promise you, hey, there's no service after this. We're gonna have two and a half hour service. Don't worry, it's gonna be great. <laughs> Joking, guys. I'll, I'll hurry up. Um, God knows how important it is for us to grow our faith muscle. He knows that how important it is for us to test our faith. But for my wife and I, this was a huge deal when we started tithing. Like, we were not, when we started giving, it's not like we were at a point in our lives where we were like, oh my gosh, we don't have anything to do with 10% of our budget. Maybe we should give it to the church. Maybe, I don't know, that's a good idea, maybe. No, it was a step of faith. It was like, hey, we have other stuff that we actually need to be paying for. And we have other stuff that that could go to. And that's a good 10%. That's a good chunk of money. Are we seriously gonna do this? It was a step of faith. It tested our faith. And I, like, it, it was like, I don't, I don't think a lot of people are in that position where they're like, oh, I just, I have nothing to do with 10%. Let's just give it to the church, I guess. I don't know. But it was an opportunity for us to grow our faith. And you know what? It is the absolute best investment that we make no matter what. It's the only thing that we invest into that's guaranteed to have eternal blessing for our lives. Tithing is uncomfortable, especially at the start. It's uncomfortable, but it's an opportunity for us to test God. Yeah. And he's always faithful. Maybe driving into church this morning was uncomfortable. That's good. That's a sacrifice. I love when I hear stories of people who are like, yeah, I drove an hour to get to church. We had a guy who used to come to our church named Farmer John. Amazing man, impacted so many people's lives. He's since gone to heaven. He's, he's watching us online up there right now. Um, but Farmer John used to drive, I think it was an hour and a half here. And on his way, he'd stop and pick up groceries for people. That's an uncomfortable thing to do. Getting here hours before church starts and wearing a camera on your back is probably uncomfortable, right, camera guys? <laughs> but people online are watching 
And not because, you know, you get to be glorified in this position where people see you. No, because you're standing behind a camera and being uncomfortable and allowing God to use you in that way. It's a step of faith that you show up, you run the buttons, you get the ISO right or whatever you guys do on those things and God will step in. There's pressure in surrender. It's not easy. It's uncomfortable. Hebrews 5, 7 and 9 says, During the days of Jesus' life here on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions and fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. And though he was, sorry, son, though he was, like he's the son of God, but that's not how he learned obedience. He learned obedience from what he suffered. Once made perfect, he became a source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. The funny thing is, is we can assume that when things go bad, that uh, we need some kind of change of plans because this is not from God. This can't be God's plan because it's too hard. God wants our lives to be easy. And so we often just run away actually from God's plan and purpose because we're running towards an easy life. But even Jesus learned obedience from what he suffered. So when suffering begins, look for a chair, not an exit. When you are on a plane and turbulence starts, what do you do? You get up and go, okay, where's the emergency exit? I've had enough. Give me a parachute. That would be easier than dealing with these bumps right now. No, what do you do? You get in your seat and you buckle up. And you trust that the pilot knows where they're going. But people come up with some silly things. They say things like, well, if it's not good, it's not God. And that might sound cute and good to you, but it's just not true. We won't learn to surrender if we're just constantly in search of an easy life, turning our backs on anything that is hard and that'll bring suffering. Yeah. Suffering is often the place where we move, where we learn the most. Yeah. Yeah. It's bad theology to say, if it's not good, it's not God. Now here's what is good theology. Good theology is, it's not God that sends the suffering, it's God that uses the suffering. Yeah. So it's not that God just wants you to suffer all the time, it's that God will use it to glorify him and to make your life better and to build your faith muscle. So when the suffering starts, look for a chair, not an exit. Romans 5, three to five says, and not only this, but with joy, let us exult in our sufferings and rejoice in our hardships, knowing that hardship, distress, pressure, trouble. I love this about the amplified version that you kind of get a built-in commentary. But he's saying that uh, knowing that hardship pressure, he uses, because there's a pressure in surrender, produces patient endurance, and endurance proven character, or spiritual maturity. And proven character, hope, and confidence, insurance of eternal blessing, such hope in God's promises never disappoints us, because God's love has been abundantly poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And Jesus is crying out, in the garden that night, Abba, Father. So Jesus is, he's walking on earth and he's the son of God, but he, he's, he's, he's a deity, right? He's, he's God, he's God in the flesh. But he flips in this moment and he puts himself in the position of a son. And he says, God, dad, please, dad, please don't make me do this. That was like me when I was learning how to mow the lawn. Dad, please don't make me do this. We have a big lawn at our home. Um, 
That's how bad he didn't want to surrender. Dad, please, no. But imagine what we would have missed out on had God answered Jesus' prayer. If God answered Jesus' prayer, we'd have to have a big tent set up and two, we'd have to have a holy place inside there. And, and we'd have to bring uh, goats and cattle to church and we'd have to sacrifice those goats and cattle and I'd have to take the blood and go in and hope that I cleansed myself and did everything right so that when I went into the holy place, I wouldn't die. That's the Old Testament. That's how we used to have to pay for sins. Okay, but thank God. I'm super thankful for the, for the blood of the cross uh, because uh, I'm not gonna die if I do my job wrong this morning. Thank you, Jesus. All right. I thought that was funny, guys. You guys are vibing with me this morning. Come on. I wonder how much we've walked a, uh, away from because we just decided to answer our own prayers. And for the first time in Jesus' life, he was gonna be separated from the Father. He spent three days in hell when he died. We always talk about Jesus' physical death on earth and how awful that must have been. But there was something else that was troubling Jesus that day is that he was gonna be separated from the Father for the first time in his life. How horrible his physical death must have been, but he also had to be separated from the Father. He did not want that disconnection from the Father. What would our lives look like if we felt the same way about being disconnected with God? What would I change? How would I act? When Jesus asked, take this cup from me, He's sort of saying like, I wonder, I wonder what is it in our lives that we want removed from our responsibility, but God is trying to use for his, for his glory. Jesus is like, take this cup from me, meaning I, like, I don't want this responsibility anymore. Please take it from me. I wonder what it is in our lives that we're saying to God, just take this from me. I don't want to deal with this any longer. And God's like, no, I'm trying to use that for your good. It's time to surrender. There's a pressure and it's time to surrender. What is it that we want removed from our responsibility? Maybe it's forgiveness. We don't want the responsibility of forgiveness anymore. We want to hold on to bitterness. Feels good to be offended sometimes, like a voodoo doll. And if we forgive them, we give up the voodoo doll. Sorry that I'm talking about voodoo in church this morning. Um, but maybe it's holiness. We just want a reliance on grace. We just want us to say, oh, if God's grace is good. Why do I have to be holy? That's just, holiness is just under the law. No, holiness brings us closer to the Father. Yeah. And some of us are just saying, I, I don't want that responsibility any longer. Take this cup from me. Maybe it's our schedule. We like having a busy schedule because a busy schedule makes us feel important. And so we're saying, I don't, I, I don't want to give that up. I don't want to free myself up. Take that responsibility for me, God. I want to hold on to my busyness. We want to keep ourselves busy so God doesn't keep us busy. Or humility. We're saying, no, God, you, take it from me. I don't, want, I don't want the responsibility of humility because our, we're so prideful and we have so many opinions and we want to hold on to those things instead. Come on, I'm just preaching to myself this morning, but does it, is it hitting home with anybody? Yeah. So how do you figure out what God wants you to surrender? Easy. It's everything. Especially the things you love the most. <laughs> but offering to him, them to him doesn't mean he will take them from you. 
And uh, then it says in, in, in Mark 14, the hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is to be delivered in the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. He's saying, okay, I'm accepting this responsibility. Even though I don't want to, I'm accepting it. I'm trusting God in this moment. And here's what I found for my life. Here's what I found. Is that a lot of us, myself included, love God, but we don't trust God. We love God, but we don't trust him. How much have we really surrendered to him? Or how much are we just kind of putting up a front to make it seem like we've surrendered a bunch to him? And in reality, we're still in control. I'll just use this as an example. Do you trust God with your sexuality? When your feelings and the Bible don't line up, which one are you gonna trust? How you feel or what the Bible instructs you to do? Matthew 5.28, this is just an example, um, but Matthew 5.28 says, I tell you that anyone who's looked at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his heart. Jesus is instructing us to deal with what's going on inside of our hearts. And oftentimes we wanna come up with excuses. We wanna find new ways to translate the Bible (laughs) to say, oh no, I don't think this is actually what they're saying here and try and get our way out of it. But the reality of it is, is we have to trust God above our feelings even when we don't want to. And there's a pressure in that, a pressure to surrender. This is not just about an outward appearance of surrender, putting our hands up in worship so that it feels good. It's not just about church on Sunday or a cross emoji in your bio and a coffee addiction. Okay, that's not, that's not what following Jesus is about. God is looking for that inner surrender. But often our thinking is, how much can I get away with and still go to heaven? Right. When what we should be thinking is, what is the higher standard that God is calling me to? How much can I possibly give up so that I can show God he trusts me? How much pressure am I willing to take on because I wanna continue to surrender to him? What do you need to give up to be closer to him that's getting in the way? What I love is, I love this line in the Bible. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. How strong are we when it comes to the faith muscle in our lives? What steps of faith are we taking? I love, that's so confronting. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Holy smokes. And unfortunately, there is no shortcut to building faith. Only you can build your faith. Just like no one can work out for you. Man, I wish someone could work out for me. How nice would it be to have somebody else go to the gym and go through the pain and, and go through all that work to get, you know, to get some muscles, but I get the muscles for it. The same goes for faith. We have to take steps of faith ourselves and test God. And when you test God, you'll learn that you can trust God. As we surrender to him, we're actually building trust with each other. So we're trusting God and he's showing us that we can trust him. Oh, sorry, we're testing God and, and he's showing us we can, I messed that up, whatever. Okay, we, we, we test God, we take steps of faith and then you show God, God, you can trust me. And then we're also learning as we take steps of faith that we can trust him. It goes back and forth. It's beautiful, but only you can build your faith muscle. And as we surrender to him, we build trust in each other. 
Okay, this all happens, this whole scenario happens at this place called Gethsemane. It's at the bottom of the Mount of Olives. So there's olive trees all over. There's a bunch of trees there and they would actually make oil in this garden. And the word Gethsemane means in the Greek, oil press. And this is the place where Jesus was under the most pressure. And what would happen was those good quality olives would be pressed. And when they're pressed, you'd get this great quality olive oil, just wonderful olive oil. I think a lot of us don't even know what really good olive oil is like. Really good olive oil, you can actually drink. Sounds disgusting, but it is, it's good. Um, I tried it one time and then I went back to Crisco or whatever we use. Um, It's just beautiful. But how we act under pressure reveals what's really going on in our hearts and in our lives. So who are you when you're under pressure? Let's go back to Peter for a moment. Who was Peter when he was under pressure? When Peter was under pressure, it revealed what was really on the inside of him. See, right before this moment where they go to the garden to pray, they're at the Last Supper and they're chilling, they're relaxing. Maybe they had some olive oil dipped in bread in there. I don't know. I, that's not biblical. I just made it up. But um, they're just, they're, they're hanging out. They're eating, drinking. And Jesus says to Peter, hey, bud, just so you know, you're gonna deny me. Peter's like, what? We just spent three years together. You're like, my bestie. Like, we're friends. I'm not gonna deny you. But there's no pressure on Peter in that moment at the dinner table. They're just hanging as friends. And, and Jesus goes, yeah, just so you know, you're gonna deny me. Peter's like, no, there's no way I'll deny you. And then Jesus gets captured and all of a sudden, Peter realizes if they associate us together, maybe I'll die too. And all it takes is some little girl that comes up to him and says, hey, aren't you his friend? And he's like, oh, no, no. It's that little bit of pressure. That's all it took to see what was really on the inside of Peter. And you know, Peter came up with his own plan in that moment. And you know what Peter's own plans lead him to? They lead him to this in Luke chapter 22. He went out and he wept bitterly. He was unfulfilled. He was like, ah, oh, why? And I don't know about you, but I don't wanna be a fair weather disciple of Jesus. It is so much better to allow the pressure, we think about Gethsemane, allow the pressure to bring us to a place of surrender. Not looking for an exit, but saying, I will buckle in and I will do what the Lord is asking me to do. But look at the grace of God. Look at God's good grace that after Peter messes up, Peter allowed the revelation of his cowardice to lead him into greater things because in Acts chapter three, it's recorded that Peter does the very first miracle after the death of Jesus. And so he, he, he messes up in that moment and he reveals what's on the inside of him. And after that, he says, no, I'm gonna surrender. I'm gonna come back to the call of God on my life. And he's the first person to get to do a miracle after Jesus goes to heaven. Amazing. And then Peter writes to us in 1 Peter 4, 1, says, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from death. He's saying, guys, 
Don't be in search of an easy life. Be in search of a surrendered life. Allow yourself to suffer. What is it that God is asking you to surrender? What's the pressure? What's the thing that you're saying, I, I can't let go of this. I don't even know if God wants me to let go of this. What, what's, what's the hour that has come look like for your life? What does that look like on this season of your life? Hey, I preached about tithing. If you're new to our church or don't belong to our church, you know, don't, don't let this stress you out. We're not trying to get you to open your wallet up today. I'm talking to the people who call this place home, who call themselves believers, and who are saying, I'm all in here. Why am I challenging people to tithe today? It's not that the church needs to make its mortgage payments. It's that you need to build your faith. That, that you need to say, God, I could use this for myself, but I'm gonna trust you with it. Maybe that's the hour has come for you. Maybe it's like I talked about with my friend. It's time to talk about your story with someone. It's time to evangelize. And sometimes people get the word evangelize wrong. When I say evangelize, I'm not saying go grab a milk crate and a sign and go stand on a street corner on a white ave and see if you can get people to come to Jesus. I don't know anyone who's come to Jesus that way. Yeah. Not to sound judgmental of them. Yeah. You, know who, you know who comes to Jesus? You know the stories I hear? I hear stories of my friends started coming here and something was different in their life. Hey, my friend talked to me about all that God has done in their life and I want what they got. That's what evangelism is all about. Telling people about the good news of what Jesus has done for us and people get lit on fire for that. Man, they want that. Maybe it's just a time that, you, maybe the hour has come in your life is, is time to really dedicate yourself to ensuring that this thing is open every single day. Why is that important? Because you wanna learn more about God. You wanna go deeper, but let me tell you, it's not me who's gonna take you deeper, it's this. That when this is open, you have to understand that this is alive and active. That you can read the whole thing and then open it up again to something you've read before and God will speak something different to you through it. That the Holy Spirit speaks through this thing too. It's not just closing your eyes and Oh God, Spirit of God, just speak to me. No, open this thing up. He gave you a tool, the greatest tool of all. Maybe it's a relationship that you need to allow God into and potentially give up. Maybe that's the hour has come for you. Maybe the hour has come from, for you is, is holiness. And we, we wanna be holy, not because there's some like law, like Christians have to act this way or else you suck at being a Christian. no. No, we want holiness because holiness is the way we get closer to the Father. Right. And that's what it says about God, is, is that he's holy. It doesn't mean like he wears a certain, you know, kind of clothing and he acts a certain way and, you know, he only drinks Evian water or something like weird like that. No, it's that holiness means he's set apart. And so for us, if we don't fit in into certain situations, that's actually a good thing. Now, Paul says we can be all things to all men. That's good. That's great, but still, we know that when we're all things to all men, we don't fully fit in, right? Because we're holy, we're set apart. We're saying, I don't want stuff in my life and in my heart that gets in the way between me and my Father. So I don't wanna look at certain things. I don't wanna think about certain people certain ways. I don't wanna allow unforgiveness and bitterness and nastiness to sit in my heart. I wanna surrender those things to God, and it sucks sometimes because there's pressure yeah. in surrender but know that your life can be good when you get under that pressure and the goodness, that the work that God is doing will come out. Hey, can I pray for you? God, thank you so much for your people here today. I just pray that the work that was done here today would be sealed in our hearts. That when we leave here today, 
God, we, we would continue to, to search for you. That when we, if we have questions from this sermon, Lord God, stuff that maybe we're confused about, God, would we seek you in it? Would we not dismiss it? Would we start to open up and, and kind of unpeel that, Lord God? I feel like that, that, that picture peel just represents someone here today. That uh, I just, I felt like I had the, pic, the picture of an orange and someone here today has been like, I wanna do this whole faith thing, but every time I bite into it, it, it seems bitter to me. And that's because you're biting into an orange that is not, has not been peeled. And, and God is saying to you today that you're looking at it and it looks good to you, but you need to start to unpeel some things and start to dig into some things. And there's a reason you have questions. It's, it's, it's because of your personality type. He made you that way. You're a thinker. And God is saying, come to me today. You don't have to have it all figured out. Just start to peel. And I'll show you that what's on the inside of that thing is the best orange you've ever had in your life. I don't know who that is, but I'm just believing God for you today. Jesus, we, we wanna surrender to you today. We wanna give up our, our, uh, our ways that we get off track. We wanna give up our, our bitterness. We even wanna give you our, uh, we just invite you into our, our grief. You know, stuff that we're, we're just struggling with or, or we're, we're stuck on. We wanna invite you into that struggle with us. We, we actually surrender that to you. Whatever we're going through, maybe it's our anger for someone, even someone in the room, we wanna give that to you right now and say, God, have your way because uh, I just wanna be closer to you. And like Jesus, we don't wanna be separated from you whatsoever. We wanna be close to you. We wanna feel your love. We wanna be more like you. Thank you, God, that you love us, that you're near to us. And today we invite you into whatever good or bad thing we're going through. Because that's the thing. It's not just like, oh, life sucks all the time. Maybe I should invite Jesus into this. It's that we can be going through some great times in our life, but we're in search of an easy life on our own. And we want to invite Jesus into that. He'll make it even better. He'll give it purpose. He'll make that good thing. Um, he'll help you feel fulfilled, not just happy. So God, thank you for that. Thank you for the joy that you wanna to give to people. Thank you for all these invitation cards, Lord God. We just surrender ourselves to you and, and ask who would you have us talk to or connect with this week? Because we know bringing people to you is, is so close to your heart. Like that one lost sheep. Thank you that our, our city is full of, of people who are your children but they've turned their back on you, just like we have. And I thank you that we're gonna have moments where people come to you because of our faithfulness and because of our surrender. So God, I just thank you that you're here with us today. I just wanna pray quickly for anyone who, like I talked about at the start of the message, um, you need to come to a moment of surrender. You know, you realize Jesus died on the cross for you. You, you realize that, but now you, it's time for you to confess with your mouth that he's Lord and to, to allow him into your heart and into your life. I'm just gonna ask you to repeat a, a prayer after me. Maybe you're doing this for the first time or a rededication. Just repeat these words after me. This is how you begin and get that moment of surrender that leads to a process of surrender. Everybody who calls Celebration Church home, please repeat after me. Jesus, Jesus. Thank, you thank you for coming to this earth, to this earth. dying on the cross, on the cross. For, me. for me. I believe, I believe. that you are Lord, that you died and God raised you from the dead. From now on, I live for you. Forgive me of my sins. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's put our hands together for what God's done here. Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at celebrationedmonton.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at celebrationedmonton.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.